Life happens with Pimelo Modine. All right, so we've had a conversation uh, in my workplace where we all sit together and discuss stuff. So we are in a space where lots of other journalists and so on are gathered and we, you know, we, we chat about stuff. And this is a conversation we've been having for almost a week now. And I'm sure last week you may have seen images come through of that horrific accident. We were speaking about that accident last week, I think, um, where nine people had lost their lives. I think it was around the N1 area. But the reason we were speaking about it, of course, it's because nine people had lost their lives. But part of it was just how social media bombards us with these images unsolicited. So I'd be sitting there trying to look at my timeline. And before I know it, and I have to declare, first of all, to you that I'm a very sensitive person when it comes to injuries and that kind of thing. So images of people who are dead and whatever don't sit well with me. They, you know, I, I just don't do well with that kind of stuff. Um, but easily, without a shadow of a doubt, you'd be going through your timeline and stuff just crops up. Stuff just comes unsolicited with images of bodies thrown everywhere. And I just don't know what to do with it. And there was a conversation in the office about, you know, how are you guys feeling about these images, these horrific images? And there are a couple of layers to this. So well, number one, for those of us who really don't want to see dead bodies everywhere, it is I mean, it, it is quite something. It, it, it's difficult for, for me, for instance, to see those images and kind of carry on with my day. It does disturb the flow of my life. It disturbs the flow of, of our days. Number two, I don't know if people understand sensitivities around people who may have lost a loved one in that scenario. So this be the first to post is so insensitive to people who may not have heard as family members and images of their loved ones being posted everywhere. I just want to have an open conversation with you about how you feel about that. I mean, is this something that you've had an experience with where your loved one was posted without permission and everywhere's just everybody's just sharing images of perhaps an injured loved one or a deceased loved one without sort of asking for permission? And number two, how do you feel about receiving these images of people thrown everywhere where people are, you know, it, I just think that it's so insensitive. So we decided to get um, a media lawyer to kind of help us unpack all of this. But this is also a conversation that I'd love you to be a part of. 0891-104-207. How do you feel about these images, these horrific images of either people in accidents or injured or whatever? And, and they those pictures being shared on social media willy-nilly. I'd love your comments on this on 0891-104-207. Tolwana Ncheke is a media law expert and she joins us on the line. Tolwana, thank you very much for making the time. Hi. Hi, Pamela. How are you? I'm good, Tolana. I mean, you are going to speak to us from a, from a legal perspective. I mean, do I have a right to just kind of whip up my camera and take a picture of somebody who I see across the road and just snap and post? That's um, one of the biggest challenges that we currently have in terms of accessibility to smart devices is everybody who has such a device and everybody who's got access to a social media platform essentially then becomes a publisher or a journalist. Mm -hmm. There's 
the increasing use of the term of um, citizen journalism, where I make, create content and I disseminate content, and the discretion really lies with me in terms of the type of content that I create and disseminate onto social media platforms. Mm. And of course, there's also the considerations around the breadth of a social media platform. So once content is out there, um, how do we start engaging from um, a legal point of view, but also looking at how do we stop the dissemination of certain types of content. So it, it is a very layered challenge in terms of how we can respond to it because we don't have control of how people act. So so it, it's fine. We don't have control of how people act. But if I wanted to be on the straight and narrow, what what are the laws around that? Is it is it okay? Do I have that right to just snap or... Are there, are there things that I should be doing to ask? I mean, if the person is passed on, you can't quite ask for permission. Am I, am I allowed to just snap away? South Africa, as a constitutional democracy, um, guarantees everyone, and not only citizens, but everyone, the right to dignity. And I think when we're mm-hmm. talking about online content, we have to have the discussion within the context of one's right to dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is my right to dignity as a user of a social media platform, but also of the person on the other end, mm-hmm. be it the deceased or the family of the deceased. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very sensitive when we're engaging online because we are possibly infringing on people's right to privacy. It could be rights um, to dignity, as I've indicated. There are even further sensitivities around disseminating um, content where children are involved. Mm -hmm. So one has to be very responsible in how they engage and use on the social media platform. So even if you're not the creator of the content, you still have to be responsible as a recipient of such content by either, um, you know, not disseminating the content any further or deleting it and letting the person know who sent it to you that you don't appreciate certain types of content. Or if you see it on a social media platform, you can go as far as flagging the content. A lot of these services have um, mechanisms in terms of where you could actually flag that type of content, which is a reporting mechanism, Mm -hmm. and you would indicate what is problematic, whether it contains um, violent or gratuitous content, whether it's very sexually explicit, or whether it constitutes hate speech. The onus is then on the social media platform provider to engage on a takedown process in relation to that flagged content. Okay, so I mean, this has happened all the time. In fact, this is how uh, some of the reaction from, for for instance, for from the Department of Education has relied so heavily on social media. Many people are taking pictures or even videos of children fighting amongst each other and so on. That's not something we should be posting further. Certainly not. Certainly not, especially where where children, like I said, are involved. Mm. There are very specific laws that protect the identity of children and how um, content relating to children is disseminated. Um, Especially where children are involved, we do also have to consider um, consent-related implications and where you haven't obtained the consent of a caregiver, where you haven't con- obtained the consent of a child with the assistant of, of an adult, then rather refrain from uploading those pictures. I mean, courts have even gone in so far as warning parents in relation to uploading pictures of their children, even if they're um, considerably innocent, in inverted commas, pictures, one should still be very wary because it's not only about the picture itself being uploaded, but how that picture can be misused in extracting the identity and personal information pertaining to the child, or even if it's an adult, 
there still has been quite a lot of incidents where people have extracted personal information of people on from from online platforms, mm. and that ended up posing a very real threat to the individual and the individual's well-being. Let's take a quick break, and I'll take your calls on 0891-104-207, your concerns. If you possibly have a question for for uh, our guest, Tolana Ncheke, for maybe for legal reasons, maybe somebody has actually taken and stolen your identity or your child's identity, or someone took a picture and, you know, without asking for your permission. You may have questions and maybe we can find out how you're going to deal with those questions uh, going forward. So my guest is a media law expert and she's with us all the way until 1.30. Life, life Happens with Pimelo Motine. Tulana Ncheke is a media law expert. She joins me now for a conversation on really how we engage with those gratuitous did I say kusk? Yes. <laughs> Those images that come through on our timelines of either people who are deceased, uh, people who are, uh, you know, injured and those those terrible images that, that sometimes come on your timeline unsolicited. And we're discussing all kinds of reasons why that is not okay to be taking a picture and posting of, of that kind of a scenario. And also, we're also discussing your responsibility in publishing images of children. Whether you think you are trying to help the situation, you've got to have boundaries. And what are those boundaries? I did ask you to give us a call on 0891104207. I'm going to go to Ismail in Pretoria. Hello, Ishmael. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show, Ishmael. You've got a question or a comment? No, I don't have a question. It's just a comment. Mm. Can I go on? Go ahead, Ishmael. Okay, yes. Like, uh, this issue is so disturbing in South Africa. We have seen this thing being uh, all over, like on social media. South Africans abuse social media too much. Like this once happened to my friend. I was with him later when he was hit by a car. Then I found out and on Facebook. Mm. Even his family was not yet aware. Mm. So I was somehow flabbergasted that how can you do this? Where is our Ubuntu? So... Uh, in Tanzania, I think they said they want to do something like text on social media. I think we should have strong uh, 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 regulations in South Africa, mm-hmm. which will limit what we can post on uh, our social media mm-hmm. accounts. Thanks. Thanks a lot for that, Ismail. So, Tulana, I mean, it's a difficult one because part of the issue here is that social media hasn't got boundaries and borders, for instance. So if if South Africa sticks to its own laws, but I get a post on my TL, um, which is from, I don't know, Zimbabwe, for instance, right? How are we going to manage that? Because that person is not within our jurisdiction. And that is one of the challenges, but more than anything, it's around um, everybody understanding that as a user of a particular platform, you have to be responsible in terms of how you engage on that platform. You have to understand that um, it's a platform that does have its benefits. And so we, we, we also have to be very considerate when we start thinking about issues pertaining to regulating social media because we also don't want to be too reactionary to the bad side of social media, if I can put it like that, mm-hmm. vis-a-vis what some of the benefits can be. And a lot of the governments and, and other jurisdictions have actually partnered up with these tech companies to roll out what we would call cybersecurity campaigns to sensitize people around the importance of creating a secure online environment for them and other users 
and also requiring where particular type of content has been flagged, then the social, the the, techno, the the provider, excuse me, the provider of that particular service, be it Twitter or YouTube or Facebook, then has a specific period of time within which the content that has been reported should be reviewed and taken down. Because we also have to understand the complexity of online, of, of engaging online, because it's not only the user, but it's also their servers, their internet service providers, they're also the platform providers themselves. So it becomes very difficult to follow in a very linear way where the liability would be. Um, even mm-hmm. if the user is in a different jurisdiction, you mm-hmm. might find the service maybe in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So who do we go after? Mm-hmm. Do we then go after the internet service provider? And there are specific processes when it would come to issuing an internet service provider with a takedown notice for the removal of that particular type of content. It's so interesting because you I see how you've kept the responsibility with the big the big conglomerates. So you you are not advocating that we prosecute every single person that's going to be distributing content that is illegal. Because if you're going to be taking uh, images of children and publishing them, that is illegal. But you're saying rather go for the conglomerates, the the network operators, and so on, rather than the the the, the people on the ground. The people on the ground, a lot of the times we, we're not really aware of some mm. of the implications of our actions. And so when it comes to users, yeah. it's been found to be much more effective to have educational and awareness campaigns yeah. so that people do understand the breadth of the Internet, that once you've posted something online, it can stay on the Internet and removing something from the Internet is a very long and tedious process. And so it's all about building that um, awareness around the importance of having a secure online environment, and it's everybody's responsibility to do so. Um, A lot of the times people are told, or the the analogy that's used is, if you won't put it on a billboard by Mm. the N1, then Mm. it's not something that you should be posting online. Because once you do post it, like I said, it then becomes very difficult to retract that information. And a lot of times we found that once people understand the nature of this beast that we call the Internet, they do then um, become more aware of of what some of the dangers may be and therefore see the need to act responsibly. And once we also tell them about some of the practical steps that they can take in terms of reporting content, in terms of what the privacy settings are, then that has a positive impact on how we engage. Mm. And so that's why I'm saying um, it, it has to be a balanced approach. There's a public awareness and education aspect, yeah. but then the um, the providers of these services, your conglomerates, also have a responsibility to play, a responsibility which in a lot of jurisdictions they're beginning to recognize because it's also about the security of the service and the integrity of the service that they're providing to the broader public. All right. Galaka in PE, you've got a question. Hi. Hello, Galaka. Yes, is it Kalala? I'm sorry, is it Kalala? Yes, Kalala. Go ahead, yes, Kalala. Kalala. How are you? Good, thank you very and much, Kalala. Your guest. Mm. May I have a proposition? And my proposition is based on the current law that we are having and the crime that we're having. I do strongly believe in South Africa we have a law of if one steals and they find that he stole for sure, he can go to jail and save a couple of years. But still, people still carry on stealing. We have a law of we cannot kill if you kill. Still, people keep on killing each other. People keep on raping. So coming up with a law of what posting on the social media is just going to cost us taxpayer more money. How about your guess? 
spending more energy on firstly educating the people about privacy, educating the people about social media, than to just go to the law. You cannot come up with a law without teaching people first. You understand my proposition? But if you were listening, Kalala, that's exactly what you were saying. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry if I come on late. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. Firstly, we teach the people the law because now trying to come up with this. Also remember, there is good in social media as well because you are in democracy. There is other things that we cannot voice, all of us. But through social media, we can have a chance to voice it. Thanks so very much. it's not always bad there. There is a good story on social media and a bad story of it. And also some content is depend on the viewer, how you see it. Someone can post a video of his child, but not not trying to mean what you you going to see and think. Mm. So it's going to be a tricky situation. Kalala, thanks very much for that. I mean, he's just uh, reiterating what you were saying, Tolana, that education mm. is far more effective than prosecuting people. And that's probably the, the route people must be. Look, educate yourself if you don't know, if you've never been educated. And if you are an advocate, then try and disseminate that information. Um, and I must say, that where one is found to be contravening a crime or um, be contravening a, a particular provision of legislation, then that will be prosecuted as, if it's hate speech, it will be prosecuted mm. as hate speech. Mm-hmm. So there are currently laws that one can use, and we've seen now there's more and more cases that have gone before the Equality Court around the way that people engaged themselves on social media. And it wasn't a contravention of a social media code um, that one was found to have flouted. One was found to have flouted, for example, with the Penny Sparrow case, that was mm. issues around hate speech, and there are very clear provisions around hate speech, mm. where one brought um, their employer into disrepute. The, the ultimate prosecution in that particular case was around flouting the company policies as well as um, labor relations legislation to the extent that there was applicable to the extent that it was applicable so I think we also have to be very mindful when we're having the discussion that there are currently laws in place that one could flout due to the way that they engage themselves on social media so it's not to say that there's no legislation at all or that we need to develop um, completely different legislation specifically for social media. We currently do have laws in place and part of the education and awareness is letting people know that you can actually be prosecuted and as we've seen people being prosecuted, people have lost jobs, people have lost opportunities, um, prospective employment opportunities because of the way that they conducted themselves online. Mm. So there are already very real consequences to misuse of this platform. I want to ask you to to, to hang on for us there, Tolana, because we need to go to the headlines and we'll continue picking up those calls. I see them on 0891104207. But it is time for the headlines now. Let's go to It's Uzi Lesaku for the very latest. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 107.1 FM in Seapoint. Thank you very much for staying with us. We continue our conversation around the proper use and the legal use of of social media and how to, I suppose, you know, play by the rules. And and if you do know better, we're hoping that you'll do better. But we've asked um, a, a media law expert to join us, uh, Tolwana Ncheke, who, who's trying to help us navigate some of the issues that arise from people just being, um, be, I suppose, negligent when they post on social media, stuff that they shouldn't be posting. And, and I, you know, we were speaking earlier about those that 
do it because they don't know any better. But there are people who go out of their way to literally use social media for their own propaganda. So Tulana Ncheke is a media law expert. She's joining us on the line and we'll we'll touch base with her in a minute. But let me go quickly to KG in Bloemfontein who has a comment for Tulana. Hi, KG. Uh, good day. Thank you very much for taking my call. Mm, go ahead, KG. I just want to establish these people who post these undesirable things on, on, on. Do they have a brain between the two ears at all? Because I hear somebody saying maybe we should uh, educate these people and train them. But it would be a good study you try to educate somebody who is edu- educatable. Somebody who is able to use their own common sense. You know, to can see, but this what I'm doing is out of order. Because I, I ask people from time to time, at an accident scene, you know, which can just happen just now. And then immediately somebody is whipping out their camera and they start filming or they start taking pictures. I've asked, but what are you intending to achieve by this which we are doing now? I'll tell you what the answer is. Because they want to be retweeted, they want to be popular, they want to be liked. Mm. That's what it is. I mean, we may not like it, but the motive behind it is very clear. They want to be popular on social media. They want their image to trend. That's what they're after. That is that, that is that is a very serious degree of discipline. Mm. I think mm. ignorance does not even begin to Mm. Really out of order, man. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I understand your sentiments exactly there, KG in Bloemfontein. Madume, um, you calling us, you also have a comment. Good afternoon, Madume. Good afternoon, Madume. Welcome to the show. Hi, Pamela. How are you? Good. Thank you very much for calling. Good, thanks. Just want to pose a question to Tolana. Mm. Um, I just want to hear her, her take on the notion that no one has. Um, the right of privacy in public, meaning that if I take a picture mm-hmm. in in public, like say, for instance, in in a restaurant, mm-hmm. the, that person happens to be in the picture, mm. they do not have a right to claim privacy on that. Mm. Tolona, it's it's a it's a contentious one, isn't it? Because if you happen to to land in the picture, and in fact, this is an interesting one. Last night, I saw a picture of the um, commander in chief of the EFF sitting at business class, and the tweet was, "Look at him; he is sitting at business class, sipping champagne while he's going to speak on behalf of the poor." And that was. Um, what I want to talk about is besides what the tweet was saying is the fact that in that frame was a woman who happened to just be passing by or standing there or whatever she was doing who has absolutely nothing to do with the tweet who has got no business in that frame but she was so what what mm. what then oftentimes the, the the cases or the action that's been taken by people who are grieved was re- requesting that that particular image be taken down mm. Um, some people have even gone as far as taking a legal route, um, reporting to the police station. That, of course, is it takes a while and there are lots of resources that are involved and it can be quite um, financially intensive for some people. Mm. Um, and I just wanted to go back to the question that was really posed about if one is, is, is in a public place, do they still have rights to privacy or can they still claim the right to privacy? Mm-hmm. Much as I may, or an individual may be in a public space, 
it's not only the narrow right to privacy that one would assess. One would also assess whether there's a possible infringement of one's right to dignity. And that would also be assessed with reference to how that particular image is used. So if the caption um, used in that particular image or in relation to that particular image is such that it contravenes or it can be found to contravene my, my right to dignity, that would then be my course of action, that this particular image is either defamatory in its nature because one would look at the image again with reference to the caption that's used. So it's, it's very difficult to lay out squarely what the parameters are because it also has to be assessed on a case-by-case basis. But Tulani, I mean, let us just say there is nothing defamatory about this image. In fact, it could be an image that says all the wonderful things and maybe somebody uses it because they want to say, look how beautiful the park is today and I happen to be a jogger or somebody walking in the park the truth is I want to have the right to be in the picture or not want to be in the picture for me it's not about being you know it's not about being defamatory it's about exploitation of my image as you don't have the right to use my image for whatever it is that you want to use it for yeah, that's why earlier on I said that one has the right to request that that particular image be taken down. Because mm. we don't always know when images of ourselves have been taken. Yes, We often see once it's actually been uploaded to a social media site that a particular image of mine has been taken. Mm. Um, what is quite interesting that these tech companies have started doing is when a person uploads a, an image of you and yeah. you have an account on that particular social media service, mm-hmm. it actually notifies you. And what that does is it enables you to actually remove that image yourself mm-hmm. um, and it can't be added onto your timeline. So there are efforts now to try and, and um, capacitate a person much more and give them much more recourses around how they can go about removing content of themselves that they're not happy about or that they do not approve of or have not consented to. Mm. But I do agree, and that's why I said earlier on, everybody has the right to request that that particular image of themselves be moved. Mm. We've even seen where people take um, images from uh, people's Instagram accounts, for example, and Mm. post them on their own and create a completely different Mm -hmm. account Mm -hmm. using other people's images. We've seen that a lot, and that's why I'm saying there are recourses you can flag um, content, you can actually report, even if it's where somebody is using your identity, you can report on the social media website itself. Always lovely chatting to you. Thanks very much for your insights, Tulwana Ncheke, who is a media law expert, and that conversation will be available as a podcast. These are the kind of conversations we'll have all the time because social media, as you know, is evolving. I think we will need to be more educated by uses of social media and so on, so um, there is a lot more to discuss with this kind of matter and we will touch base on it uh, in a short while. It's now 20 minutes to two.